Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're on Voice America Business Channel, and we're broadcasting to over 60 countries around the world from the middle of the third most important center in the world for entrepreneurs, startups, angels, VCs, and incubators, Silicon Beach in California. We're broadcasting from Hollywood Boulevard, where technology meets entertainment. I want to thank you for making us the number one business radio show in the world for entrepreneurs. I really do appreciate it. The other day I saw a video on the incredible new liquid lens adjustable glasses. The technology in the glasses automatically determines what you're focusing on and adjusts the lens accordingly. So if you're looking at something five feet away, the glasses adjust the focal length so that you can see clearly five feet away. If it's 200 feet away, again, the liquid in the um, in the glass changes and the focal point changes. How brilliant is that? I also heard this week about the work Samsung's doing with contact lenses. Boy, Samsung's been granted a patent for contact lenses with a display that projects images directly into the wearer's eyes. A built-in camera and sensors are controlled by the wearer blinking. Embedded antennas then begin to beam content to an external smartphone-like device for processing. Now, smart contact lenses would allow augmented reality to project right onto the person's eyes and be more invisible at the same time. How fantastic is that? There was a feature on Google Glass, if you remember, that uh, let users take pictures with a wink. So the blinking input, it's not that different. And uh, Google owns two patents for smart contact lenses with flexible electronics and sensors. And these read the chemicals in the tear fluid of the wearer's eyes to determine if their blood sugar levels have fallen to dangerous lows. So for example, I'm a diabetic. I simply put in my contact lenses and when my sugar's vary um, a bit from normal, then there's this blinking that goes on in the contact lens and I know that I'm a bit out of whack. So that's incredible. Everything starts with a dream, doesn't it? It's amazing. Now this program's all about entrepreneurs and we promote entrepreneurs whenever we can. And we love this story about a young guy who turned a hobby he began as a teenager into a business that earns over 200 grand a month. Now, Dan Fagella was 17 when he first learned Brazilian jiu-jitsu and at 25 was building his own business in his hometown of Wakefield, Rhode Island. And this was a martial arts gym focusing on Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So when his teacher's studio closed, he used the money he'd saved to open his own studio. He saw a need, 
opened the studio. It grew from a rented space in somebody else's gym to 2,500 square feet. That's pretty good growth. At the same time, he was using his earnings from the studio to pursue a Masters of Applied Positive Psychology program at the University of Pennsylvania. So for his degree, he was required to be in Philadelphia, and it's a five to seven hour drive away from Wakefield. So depending on the traffic, he would um, teach, do his classes all day and make sales calls to book appointments while driving backwards and forwards. And then the roof fell in, literally, due to the weight of the snow. So he spent all his life savings to expand the gym. He put up the drywall, painted it himself, but then, bang, the roof came down and pretty much destroyed everything. He went very close to bankruptcy, and he realised that he probably should do something rather than be at the mercy of the snow. And as we know, Mother Nature can be pretty nasty when she wants to be. In order to scale his business beyond Wakefield, which is only a pretty small place, Dan expanded into online courses. This was in in 2013. He used footage from his competitions, seminars and classes to reach a much wider audience. So he sold his physical gym a few months later and moved to Boston to focus on expanding the online business. It was called Science of Skill. Today's business is a resource for online fitness and self-defense curricula, and he flogs a range of products. After six months, the online business was earning 20000 a month, which is a lot more than he was earning in his four-year-old gym, and now the business is averaging about 230000 a month in revenue. So he's gone from all the hard work of physically running a gym and worrying about all the things that go with it to being online and picking up a cool quarter of a million a month. And he recommends nailing the marketing and automation side of business to ensure that everybody who steps stops by your site, you convert into paying customers. At least make sure you get their database, get them on your database. So... Just ask, sit down and ask yourself, are people turning up on your site and you don't know who they are or you're not converting them into a dollar? If they are, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of free apps that you can get that will pull down a lot of this information. So he's also um, going to stay with the company until it's earning about $6 million a year in revenue and that he's going to sell it. He said he doesn't want to be the guy who sits there working and working and working and builds it into a $40 million company. He's not looking to run the business until he's 55 years old. He wants to get out and enjoy the money, get into it, doing other things. In my view, that is fantastic advice. I remember once that... um, I was talking with Tim Draper and Tim said, um, you know, if you've got the world's best idea, um, get out of it, you know, pretty much as soon as you can get good dollar from it because someone out there is building a better mousetrap. And also technology changes 
attitudes change, regulations change, all sorts of things can go against you. So maximise what you can and uh, leave a bit for the next guy. Small businesses face a whole range of problems on a daily basis, both internally and externally. External problems are countless and include, you know, the state of the economy, the high cost of insurance, taxes, red tape, um, health and safety, lack of bank lending, competition within their own country and also competition from abroad, transport issues, employee skill gaps and shortages. God, the list just goes on and on. There are a whole bunch of things that can easily bite you in the ass. Internal problems are no less strenuous. You know, some of the issues facing small businesses are, well, one, first, finding enough cash and managing the cash flow. If you're a fast-growing company, you can rapidly outgrow your um, available resources, and if you're an underperforming company, you can't access it. And the majority of companies do not manage their cash flow well. It's difficult and you've got to plan ahead and too many businesses don't. And, you know, who knows when uh, some of your customers are going to pay you or what their situation is. And a lot of companies have one major client who provides them, maybe not with all of their revenue, but a good chunk of it. And if something goes wrong, oops, And good credit control helps to prevent this becoming a serious problem. But poor financial management leads to a surprisingly large proportion of firms having a bad credit rating. And then once you've got a bad credit score, it's hard to borrow money and you're pretty much screwed. Having a good credit score enables you to borrow funds, but it also enables you to secure Um, terms on trade credit that are favourable. The second issue facing small businesses is a lack of a clear plan. Most businesses have never written a business plan. They don't know how to plan. And lack of plan, of course, worsens the cash flow problem by wasting cash chasing, tempting diversions. You know, you go off on all sorts of tangents. And you throw money at problems that you'd be better off conserving. Equally important is ensuring your plan is fluid and revising it constantly according to changed economic and business conditions and your competition. And this will ensure your long-term survival. You've got to have a business plan. I was talking to a client today, um, actually by email, and that's a good idea, but no plan. You need a detailed plan and it's not I'm going to do this and this is how I'm going to do it and it's going to be wonderful and I'm going to make a shitload of money and have a look at these financials and then, wow. It's about having all of the elements, looking at all the risks, doing SWOT analysis, working out what your um, catchment area is, who are your target customers, who are your second tertiary, uh, second and tertiary customers, Um you know, what are the possible downfalls? How much money are you going to need? Where are your cash flow dips going to be? All of that needs to go into a business plan, but most people do not have a clue. And those who don't have a business plan don't succeed. Clear as that. 
The third issue facing small businesses is ratchet leadership. You know, this takes many forms. It's frequently in the form of depth of leadership. The founder of the company is too hands-on, doesn't concentrate enough on the primary role as leader rather than a manager. And secondly, they fail to enlist the support of competent managers and staff behind them. You know, either through recruitment or outsourcing or training in in um, house personnel, but they just most leaders don't lead. Most leaders do not undertake further learning after they leave college. Most leaders don't study what their competition's doing. They don't understand the market. They don't try to project ahead. And this eventually causes the company to stop growing and eventually failure. Directors should always remember their core roles and responsibilities and that's keeping the leader in check, setting the direction of the company. The fourth issue is facing small business is the ineffectiveness of their sales and marketing. This leads back to planning and leadership. Many businesses just don't take enough time to decide what their major emotional point of difference and their consumer purchasing benefit is. Most of them don't even know what it is. They don't think how they can strengthen their message and their equity in the marketplace with knock-your-socks-off customer service, with added value, risk reversals and the other valuable techniques that close business. They try to compete in conflicting areas such as lowest price. If you compete on price, you know what happens? You make less profit. You make less return on investment. You become less competitive. You commoditize your product and eventually you disappear up your own ass. It is not a plan. Now, part of the planning process for a new product should include a very clear answer to one simple question. With all of the products and services available to my customers, why should they buy from me? Bloody good question. Make sure you've got a clear answer. The fifth issue facing small business is lack of execution, and this may be the biggest problem of all of them. Too many companies develop strategies and never execute them. It's a tragic fact that most business leaders spend less than one hour a month on strategy. Then they execute the strategy so poorly that most employees don't even know what the company's strategy is. It's a direct result of top management not documenting and communicating the strategy. Communication with employees is critical. And, you know, with today's technology, it's possible to measure every single element of a company's performance. But the overwhelming majority of organisations don't have meaningful performance measures in place or even carry out regular performance analysis. So the result of neglecting just these five simple issues in the rough and tumble of today's business is disaster. And there are only five. There's a whole bunch more. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I was recently appointed the Honorary President of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management, which is the premier organization for business in the US. Now, if you're serious about improving your skill level, your status and your network, you should join today. 
Now, if you're just doing it for the glory, apart from being able to put the initials AISMM after your name and receiving a great plaque for your foyer or foyer or boardroom, there's a wealth of latest information, complete business audits, webinars, and a 26-person advisory board with reputation and skill levels to rival any on the planet. So if you're not a member, go to AISMM.us and join now. My guest after the break is Stefan Spencer. He's a great guy and he's an internationally recognized SEO expert and he's a best-selling author. He invented the SEO technology Gravity Stream. He now works as a sought-after SEO and digital strategy consultant. He's got um, some clients that you may have heard of, like Zappos, Sony Store, Quicksilver, Bed Bath & Beyond, Chanel, and a whole truckload more. So for those of you who are looking to increase your Google ranking, this is a must-hear interview. Stefan will dispel a number of the myths that surround SEO. And I'll be back with Stefan immediately after this break on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard straight-talking, absolutely no-bullshit radio show. Where over the past five years, we've given you insights into the lives of over 250 of the world's most interesting business people, talking about what they do, who they admire, what makes them tick. You know, it's extremely difficult to create a successful business and uh, we all need all the help that we can get. And that's why it's so important, if you listen to this program, to go onto the archives and listen back to some of the interviews with some of these successful people. You know, it's so easy to fall into traps when you've got a new business. And uh, by learning from people who've been there, done that, been successful, overcome the issues, you can um, help yourself a great deal. And that's the other reason that it's really important to have mentors. 
if you surround yourself with mentors, people who give you straight advice, if something sucks, they'll tell you. But people that have been successful and know the ropes, it's really, really important. I can't stress it. It's also important to join groups like Metal, which I've talked about, um, and my next guest is, a, is also a member of, as I have. Um, Metal is um, media entertainment technology alpha leaders. It's people that are the, really the leading lights in all of those areas who meet once a week, once a week, from about nine o'clock in the morning until about one o'clock in the afternoon, and simply share ideas and talk about new technologies and and um, really, it really stands you in great stead for success in business. Now, everybody in business faces the same challenges. It doesn't matter what you are or who you are, whether it's technology or whether you've got a dry cleaning business. Everybody thinks that their product's great and they think that they've got fantastic customer service and that your people are just going to beat a path to their door. But it doesn't work like that. And most entrepreneurs are experts at what they do But the majority of businesses fail because they have no knowledge of all the other aspects that go into making a successful business. If if you've got a successful business, you've got to wear a lot of hats. You've not only got to be good at whatever you're doing, but you've got to be good at accounting. You've got to be good at raising money. You've got to be good at HR. You've got got to be good at customer service. You've got to be good at a whole range of things. And uh, that's very difficult. So that's why it's so critical that you follow and listen to those who have overcome these challenges that we all face. You know, I know a lot of um, entrepreneurs that think that they're alone in their challenges. Well, let me tell you, you're not. Now, Stefan Spencer is an internationally recognized SEO expert and best-selling author. He's the co-author of The Art of SEO, author of Google Power Search, and co-author of Social E-Commerce. And they're all published by O'Reilly. I don't know about you, but I, f- I get confused about SEO. And we'll talk to um, Stefan about that. It's an area that we all need to know about with over 1 billion websites out there. And there's no use having a website if you don't get noticed. So we'll talk about how you go about doing that. Stefan founded Net Concepts in 1995, grew it into a multinational SEO agency before he sold it out, no doubt, for loads of Lamborghinis in 2010 to Cavario. Stefan invented the SEO technology Gravity Stream. He now works as a sought-after SEO and digital strategy consultant. His past clients include Zappos, the Sony Store, Quicksilver, Bed Bath & Beyond, and Chanel. He's spoken at hundreds of marketing events all over the world. This guy travels constantly all over the planet giving presentations, and uh, including SES, SMX, PubCom, Internet Retailer, Shop.org. He's a contributor to my favourite early morning read, Huffington Post, multi-channel merchant, practical e-commerce, search engine, land and DM news. He's a creator of Traffic Control, a three-day SEO seminar, and co-creator of the three-day professional development seminar, Passions into Profit, with Chris Jones. 
He hosts two podcasts, The Optimized Greek Geek. <laughs> the Optimized Geek and Marketing Speak. Hi, Stefan. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Hey, Bob. Uh, great to be here. We hear so much about SEO and the information. You know, everybody's interested in it because we all want to um, have better rankings on our um, on our websites. But the information we often get from different people seems, well, it seems to me anyway, to conflict. So many SEO experts um, give you different advice and then constant and blame constantly changing algorithms by Google for lack of results. Um, how does one get to the top of Google? Right. Well, first of all, I, I want to address the fact that there is a lot of uh, misinformation out there. When, when you talk about SEO, search engine optimization, and how to get to the top of Google, people can just make up uh, their, their own um, BS and yep. uh, state that as fact. And if they say it with such um, emphasis and, and bravado and, and certainty, you'd believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, most of, us, most of us don't understand it. Um, you know, we, we don't understand the intricacy, so anybody that comes across as confident and, and waves a few credentials in front, of, in front of your eyes, you tend to believe them. Yeah, so we'll get to how to sniff out the, the fakers and the charlatans in just a minute, but let me give an overall kind of uh, framework and structure for your listeners so they can understand what SEO is and what SEO isn't, because, you know... Google is kind of a big black box to pretty much everybody. It's um, got all these secret algorithms and things, and, and Google's not publishing all the inner workings of all that to us SEOs. So we have to kind of figure it out from trial and error, from uh, just kind of applying the scientific method to, uh, to, to SEO and seeing what works and what doesn't work. So the way I would I would describe SEO is there are three pillars to it. So that means there are three kind of uh, uh, main areas to SEO, and those include content, yep. architecture, and links. And if any of those three are weak, it's like sitting on a two-legged stool. It's going to fall over. So you need all three to be strong. Yep. So content, architecture, and links. And what I mean by content is simply... The, the words that you've chosen and the, the way you've represented yourself on your website with, with textual content, with video content, imagery, etc. That's the content piece, the content pillar. And then you have the architecture pillar, which includes how you structure your site, uh, what the internal linking structure looks like, like how deep down into the site is your, let's say your about page. Is it right there one page deep or do you have to click around for quite a while and finally get to the about page five levels down? Because if it's really deep, not a good thing. doesn't look important to Google. So there are other things, technical, geeky things that we don't need to get into uh, that go into that architecture pillar, but that's architecture. And then finally, links. And this is the most misunderstood and, and underutilized area of SEO. People think that they can just hire a company out of India for 500 bucks 
get a bunch of links pointing to their site, and that's going to make them look important to Google. And it doesn't work that way. In fact, it'll get them a penalty. So you really need to focus on uh, essentially PR, public relations on the Internet, trying to get bloggers for the Huffington Post and for other reputable sites to link to you because your content is so good and because you have such an, um, such great things to say, right? And you have these different hooks that maybe you employ, just like you would use hooks to get onto TV, controversy hooks, um, uh, utility hooks, newsworthy hooks, humor hooks. You'd use similar sort of hooks to get noticed by bloggers and online influencers. So those are the three pillars, content, architecture, and links, and uh, you need to focus on all three. So hopefully that'll help kind of uh, structure the conversation for our listeners because um, it, it is kind of a, a black box. And so pretty much everything fits those when you three. you talk about content, um, is it important to have a, a wide range of content, video content, um, information, news, blogs, is it important to have as many different types of content as possible or are some more important than others? That's a great question. So uh, essentially what you're trying to do is stand out from the crowd and, uh, and, and rise above the noise. Yep. So if you can do a fantastic job with that and create remarkable content, without using all sorts of different formats, that's totally fine. I mean, if you are incredible at writing blog posts that are remarkable, that are worth remarking about, then that might be your platform. If you're great at creating infographics, uh, like visual representations of complex topics and, and lots of statistics and so forth, really simplified into a graphical format, that might be your thing. Great, uh, do that. Uh, viral videos or uh, explainer videos or just really helpful informational videos. And, and by the way, if you're not doing any video content, then the number two search engine, which is YouTube, most people would guess either Yahoo or Bing, YouTube, you're going to be invisible on YouTube if you don't have great video content that you've uploaded to your YouTube channel. So you need to be present, visible in that number two search engine, that's YouTube, so having video content is a necessity for that. Um, so it's not so much the formats, I mean, you could do uh, listicles, which are like top ten list type of articles, you could do, um, like I said, infographics, you could do personality tests or quizzes, um, there's a lot of great content out there that you just notice in your Facebook news feed, like which city should you actually live in, take the quiz, that sort of stuff. Um, Informational, you know, great infographics and things like that. But just pick something to start with that you can be remarkable with. And when I say remarkable, like I said, I'm I'm using the definition worth remarking about. That definition comes from Seth Godin, who's one of the best marketers of our day. That incredible books out there and the purple cow is all about how to be remarkable. So start there instead of trying to um, spread yourself across all sorts of different formats and, and uh, uh, yeah, just I'd say focus is the starting point. So are you saying that really 
of, of the one billion websites out there, sure, 999,000 of them are by people who are um, average business people that have got, you know, a small business or whatever and they've got a website. Are you saying that only people who are expert copywriters or are funny as fuck or... Um, can create fantastic videos with remarkable, thoughtful content. They're the only ones that um, are really going to get noticed. Um, if we're talking about getting to the top of Google, then that gives you a, a leg up. I mean, it's possible that you could rank. If, if you're, for example, like uh, I worked with Chanel, I worked with Zappos and so forth, and they don't have to create remarkable content marketing campaigns because they're just a rem they're remarkable businesses. Remarkable brand. So you, yeah. Right? You, you look at what they're doing and it's just really good business. And you could do that and you could still win. But you're competing, you when I say you, the, the sure. listeners competing with the brands like Chanel and Zappos and Sony and uh, you're going to have a hard time out uh, competing them on Google unless you do something that, to punch above your weight to get noticed to rise above all the noise. And most new websites are spam. When Google discovers a brand new website, it assumes that it's spam because it usually is. So just creating a, a, a useful you know, informational website that adds value that does educational marketing separates you out from all the spam, all the majority of new websites. But in order to get to the first page of Google for an important keyword, it's easy to rank in Google for a really lousy keyword that nobody searches for. And this is something most people don't think about. You've got to rank for keywords that actually matter, that people are searching for. And a great way to check that is to use a free tool provided by Google called the Google AdWords Keyword Planner. So the Google Keyword Planner is something that you can just use for free. You have to have a Google AdWords account, which means you're going to supply your credit card to Google to get an account set up. So you don't have to use it. You don't have to start setting up ad campaigns and running ad campaigns on Google. You can just let it sit there and then use this free tool to see what people are searching for. Right? So I had a client uh, ages ago, Kohl's, the department store chain, yeah. and one of the keywords that they were really passionate about ranking for was kitchen electrics, okay. which was to me ridiculous because who's, who's ever used the phrase kitchen electrics in a sentence, like in the general <laughs> population? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. Yet, yeah, yet they really wanted to rank for that because that's a whole category of product that they sell, including food processors and blenders and other small kitchen appliances. Sure. And I'm like, no, this is not useful for you to rank for that. Right. Look at the, at the data. The Google uh, keyword tool at the time, it was called the keyword tool, shows that nobody's searching for that. It's probably you, your CEO, and a few other people in your marketing department, and that's it. <laughs> Nobody else is searching for kitchen electric, so it's yeah. irrelevant you rank for that. So pick keywords that are important that your your prospects, your target audience are searching for, and then make sure to create really valuable content around those keyword themes um, and, and publish that on your website and, and keep it fresh and up-to-date. Uh, don't let stuff kind of 
gets stale with old content that links to places that have become um, extinct, dead websites, etc. So, all of I guess to put all that together takes some time. So, if if I've got a new website, I'm out there. I've got a new business. I've got a new website. I'm starting today. What's the most important thing to get up there? What's the most important thing to start with? Well, the most important thing to start with is to get a good partner to work with, a good um, uh, service provider to help you with your online marketing and SEO. And uh, there are a lot of them out there. I mean, I have tons of competitors, so you you won't uh, be want for, for finding an SEO person to help you. The problem is, though, and this gets back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the episode, there are a lot of snake oil salesmen and charlatans out there that they just say something that sounds authoritative and like they know what they're talking about, but it isn't. It's just nonsense. It's misinformation. It's mythology. And you just don't know any better. So the first thing I would do is I would interview some SEO candidates, some uh, probably these would be contractors or agencies rather than hiring an employee because you're probably not ready to start there. You start with a service provider who's an outside uh, 1099 contractor or, or uh, an SEO firm. And you have to kind of sneak into the interview process a few trick questions, just a handful, and they don't know that they're trick questions. This is the, the genius of it. You're going to know, and if you go to my website, stephanspencer.com, I have a PDF document with a bunch of, of kind of cheat sheet. It's a cheat sheet of questions that you can ask, and it explains in that PDF why they're trick questions. So if you read this before you do the interview, you'll know, like, for example, that meta keywords, which you may or may not have ever heard of, just know that meta keywords is a thing that people talk about in SEO because it's, um, it's something that there's a lot of mythology around. So you could ask the question about, like, what's your process for optimizing my meta keywords? And you know that there's only one right answer. But you're not letting on that you know this. You're just innocently asking the question. You ask other questions, too, like, tell me what's your process for doing SEO and uh, how do you figure out what keywords are the right keywords and so forth. And you already know from earlier in this conversation that the Google AdWords Keyword Planner is a great tool for this. This should be an easy answer for them. They would say, well, yeah, of course, you're going to use the Google Keyword Planner. Um, But in this instance, when we're talking about meta keywords, the only right answer is that meta keywords never counted in Google. Never. Okay. <laughs> so if somebody says, oh, well, they don't count as much as they used to, we don't really spend a lot of time with that, that's the wrong answer. Right. Because the only right answer is that they never counted. If they say that they counted more back in the old days or whatever, you know to let them you know, out the door because they're just spouting misinformation. They don't know what they're talking about. So have at least uh, a few questions that you're going to slip into the interview process, and you'll know by uh, you know 20 minutes in easily that these guys are, are legit or they are fakers. And so that's a free download. If you go on to stephanspencer.com, S-T-E-P-H-A-N, uh, S-P-E-N-C-E-R.com, 
and then just click on resources and then white papers and guides inside of resources and it's called the SEO the SEO BS detector. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. That's the first thing I would do. So if I'm I'm out there, I'm setting up my website, I've had a website for a while, the first thing I should really do is hire an SEO consultant. Um What's that going to run? What's that going to set me back? Just well, I'm not a big yeah, firm. I'm just a small firm out there. You know, I've got a shop or I've got a product or something. What sort of what sort of costs should I be looking at? Okay, so here's where it gets. Uh, where hopefully, you're all sitting down to hear this. Uh, it, it's for a good SEO. It's at least five thousand dollars a month. Now, if you are looking at an SEO who's, let's say, 500 or or $1,000 a month, turn and run because they are inevitably uh, going to just not be very good or just do very little to nothing for you for that. Just uh, you know, blow smoke. So don't spend 500 $1,000, $2,000 a month on SEO because you're going to – it's like trying to find a – uh, it's the equivalent of finding a house with your $5,000 budget. Yeah. Good luck with that. Right. So be prepared. If you're going to talk to really good SEOs, $5,000 a month is a starting point for that. If you're going to talk to really bad SEOs and get prices below that, realize the cost of that is very uh, painful <laughs> because it, once they get you penalized by buying lousy links or building low-quality links, and then you get hit by uh, a, a Google algorithm a penalty like uh, uh, Penguin, it's really hard to recover from that. So be very careful uh, because uh, it's easy to do a lot of damage. You could very easily be in a situation where it would have been better for you to do nothing rather than have hired an SEO. So even at $5,000 a month or more, you could end up with a really lousy SEO. So do not neglect that um, step that I recommended of downloading the SEO BS detector. Also, I have an SEO hiring blueprint that has additional details of things that you can do to uh, find really great people uh, to do your SEO for you. And also in the, on my stephanspencer.com website. And so then you've got uh, a framework to work within. If your budget doesn't allow for $5,000 a month, then simply just buy a, a, a one-time SEO audit and get a forensic analysis of what's wrong with your website. And then work on it yourself and with your, your webmaster to try and fix as many of the important issues as possible. Um, so that might run you as little as $5,000 or as much as $35,000, $45,000, So that's a, a one-time cost and then gives you kind of a roadmap that you can work off of to fix some uh, inherent issues with your site. That's not going to address all the other areas of SEO that you're going to need to uh, address as well, such as having great uh, uh, link building to get high-quality links, links that are important and trusted and authoritative. That's a whole other thing. 
but at least fix the, the big issues with your site using an SEO audit. Okay, so does it help me if I um, spend some money with Google? No, it doesn't. It only helps with the uh, advertising side. Right. Right, so SEO and advertising, essentially it's, it's the equivalent of editorial and advertising in the newspapers. Okay. Just because you you run a full-page ad in the New York Times does not mean you are going to get a really nice mention in a front-page article in the New York Times. Sure. Okay, gotcha. Um, we hear the term marketing, marketing funnel. What does an effective marketing funnel look like? Yeah, so if I were to kind of structure the let me kind of draw another framework for you and your listeners uh, to help answer this. So there are three main areas to uh, your online media, and this includes earned media, which is where I primarily focus on. Those are things like uh, uh, social media and and SEO and um, just things that will get you free traffic, essentially. Okay. Okay? So that's earned media. Then you have paid media which we just alluded to a moment ago when talking about advertising with Google, right? So there are other ways that you can advertise and spend, spend money to get, uh, get traffic. Uh, you could advertise with, uh, with Facebook, for example, or um, other smaller social media sites like StumbleUpon. Um, you could advertise with Twitter and, and just a bunch of different places. So you're spending money to get um, eyeballs. So that's, Paid media, and then finally you have owned media. These are things that you, these are assets that you own that you created. Whether it's your email list, your blog, your website, and all the content, your viral videos that you've created, whatever uh, that needs a home somewhere on the internet. Maybe you've posted it to your website, but you haven't gotten free traffic or paid traffic to those uh, content pieces yet because you just haven't done it yet. So you got some great viral videos, but you haven't uploaded them to YouTube yet. They're just on your website. Or you've created some great blog posts, but you haven't uh, promoted them on social media, for example. Or um, And then when I say promoted, it could be just putting them out there, trying to get free traffic, or paying for traffic on Facebook, for example, um, boosting posts and, and using the, the Facebook uh, ad platform to get more traffic. So those are the three major areas for your, your media. And if you were to think about, well, what am I going to do to get earned media, uh, which is what we're, we've really been focusing on in, in this episode, is that um, you, you've got SEO as the primary platform, but you also have social media. So social media is a way to feed more SEO goodness into what you're doing. And most people don't think of it that way. They think of those as two separate areas that have nothing to do with each other, but they're very much intertwined. It's not that Google looks at the likes and the shares and the retweets and the plus ones and all that and and consider those to be factors in the rankings algorithm. It's not that way. It's more that you are trying to spread um, your content virally, and a great place to do that is on social media. 
if you get noticed by influencers, the 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 linkerati and, and the uh, the social media mavens, then you're going to get you're going to stand a chance to get a lot of of um, uh, visibility, and hopefully the end game here for SEO is to get links. So if some of those influencers are bloggers, not just social media people, then they're going to blog about you and they're going to link to you, and that's going to get you. Um, so the, it's the rising tide that lifts all boats. Essentially, you're going to get uh, your the, the entire website ranking better, not just that that uh, viral article that you wrote. So um, that's an overall kind of structure. And now back to this the question of a marketing funnel, also known as a sales funnel. So what you want to do is feed people into the top of the funnel yep. through things like advertising on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, where, wherever you want to advertise, doing SEO like we've been talking about. Um, maybe you're doing some offline marketing such as, um, I don't know, newspaper ads or magazine ads or billboards or what have you. But you're feeding people into the top of the funnel, getting them to a particular page on your site, and that's known as a landing page. Yep where then they will decide what to do next. Hopefully it's not hit the back button, <laughs> right? That happens a lot. That's called a bounce. But if they like what they see on that landing page, they're going to take an action. So that takes them further down the funnel. Right. So that the, the next action for them to take, hopefully, is to opt in, give their email address in exchange for something that in the industry is known as a lead magnet. A lead magnet is a really compelling uh, piece of content, usually a PDF download. And that, for an example, I, I mentioned a couple of times this SEO BS detector that you can download for free. Yep. That's a lead magnet. That's something that you guys are going to hear and say, wow, that sounds really cool. I need to get that thing. And so in order to get it, you need to supply your email address. Now you're on my email list and I'll, deliver more valuable content over time via email to you after you've opted in. So now they have this free, valuable piece of content, this lead magnet, and we want to take them to the next stage down in the funnel. And hopefully it's going to be a no-brainer for them to kind of take that next leap with you. And, and maybe it's to watch a webinar. So they're they're dedicating an hour of their time, for example, to watching a webinar with you, or perhaps it's a paid uh, uh, thing that they're getting from you, like a, uh, a, a video training, or it could be a physical product, right? Yeah. So um, a, an example in um, uh, that's cited a lot of times by um, online marketers is this credit card knife that you can get for $5. It's basically at or below cost. And basically what you're trying to do is get people to spend money with you, just a little bit of money. A tripwire is what this is called. Right. So they're spending a little bit of money uh, with you for this tripwire, whether it's a, uh, an electronic uh, download or it is a physical product they're going to get in the mail. And then they, they're essentially over that hurdle of trusting you with their credit card. So yep. if they spent a little bit of money, and I'd say no more than 20 bucks, right. a good, a good uh, price point would be like 5 bucks, 7 bucks. Now 
it's a lot easier to get them to spend more money, and that could be your core product. Right? So I could give away a free PDF download, and then for $5, some um, more extensive ebook or video-based training, and then a whole core program that I charge $300 for uh, that could be like an eight-week training program. And then once that, and, and that's a core product, it, so yep. they've basically gotten through that hurdle of um, I trust you with my credit card. Now it's a lot easier to get the core product, and then from there you can do lots of upsells, cross-sells, and those are called profit maximizers. And that is a sales funnel or a marketing funnel. And, and it's a great way to frame up how to get people from coming into your website for the first time hopefully not bouncing, but then taking the next step with you and then over time taking further steps so that they be finally eventually become uh, really valuable lifetime customers with you. Stephen, we've run out of time, but um, uh, I've got a whole bunch more questions. So I think that um, I might get you rescheduled again in a, in a month or so and uh, there's a lot more to cover. Stefan, thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about Stefan Spencer by going to stephanspencer.com. And don't forget the um, SEO BS protector on on Stefan's site, which um, I think we're all probably convinced that we need a consultant, an SEO consultant, and it gives you the questions to ask to sort out the real from the bullshit. I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking. Absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Channel. And we're the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. And we're broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard, where technology meets entertainment. Over the past 10 years or so, I've worked with startups and early stage companies after 30 odd years of working with multinationals. And the reason that I like working with startups and early stage companies, because it's it's great and it's very satisfying to help entrepreneurs develop and run successful businesses. Now, this radio show is also about providing news and information and tips that I hope can help you. Entrepreneurs need to wear many hats and uh, we all can't be great at everything. So what I, what I try to do is help you identify gaps in your expertise and uh, give you some information that might fill them. Facebook's about to announce a bunch of new radio, <laughs> new radio, new video and messaging products at, at the developers conference. Um, and many of these seem to be eating Google's lunch. Facebook seems to be leaving Google in the dust in areas where the search giant should be dominating. 
Facebook's aggressive development of some of these new technologies has the potential to shake up the business landscape. An example is Facebook's recent dramatic push into video live streaming. Now, we all know YouTube has broadcasting capabilities and individuals can do it through its gaming app and the company live streams huge events. Um, But Facebook has opened up its streaming capabilities to the public and has already proven the virality of its approach as nearly a million people simultaneously tuned in to watch a watermelon explode. That's not bad, a million people instantaneously. So part of the appeal of Facebook's live product is that broadcasters can pull in people who were already just hanging out on Facebook anyway. Google may get the same amount of people or more to watch one of their live YouTube streams, but in the majority of cases, those people will be seeking out that video, not discovering it because they were already hanging out on YouTube. Of course, succeeding at live video, the closest equivalent to broadcast TV, comes with huge advertising potential. The other area you expect Google to have succeeded already is messaging. But Facebook's chat app, Messenger, looks miles beyond anything the search giant offers. Google has Hangouts, a chat app that contains elements of live video. You can do video calls between groups of users as well as messaging, though it's primarily a conversational tool. But Facebook's widely expected to release new tools for businesses to incorporate automated artificial intelligence-driven messaging through chatbots, likely with new integrations with its own smart virtual assistant, M. Facebook's vision of the future is that users can get a wide variety of information and services from chat. You know, you can buy a shirt, you can order an Uber, you can make a dinner reservation, you can make uh, buy tickets to a show, check your flight status, and a whole heap more. So meanwhile, this conversational search would keep people on Messenger and off the Google search. Facebook is certainly looking like the elephant in the room. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. It's five years. It's a long time. It's a hell of a lot of shows. It's a lot of material to try and find every week. If you're benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. In the meanwhile, remember that if you're not really pushing the envelope, really pushing the envelope, and if you're not really living on the edge, then you're wasting your life and you're taking up way too much space. You know, it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard. I look forward to your company again next week. Well, I'll again broadcast from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard where technology meets entertainment. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.